back to On the Ground. Our ambition in these podcasts is to equip the local church for the work of ministry. Um, I'm here with Alex the Closer Klusterman <laughs> and Ryland Stonewall Auger. I've, ta- I've taken the liberty that. of assigning epitaphs to everyone in hopes that it will increase our... Uh, professionalism. Oh, that's so good. Uh, the closer. Yeah, I was going to say, I noticed that you uh, changed up your verbiage there. You said ambition. We've got ambition now. Right. Malachi, you can be Malachi Bulldozer McCavney. Right. How's that? Okay. No, thankful for all you guys. Glad you're here. Uh, let's get on to the good stuff. We're amassing a bit of a backlog of topics, actually. Which is encouraging. Um, but just we, we actually have more listeners, I think, than we are aware of. Yes, mm-hmm. or yeah, could ever hope for. I've, yeah, I've heard, I've had a number of people come up to me and say, hey, I listen to the podcast. Yeah. I'm only aware of Malika. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, but just an encouragement to those who have suggested topics. We are chipping away at them. Try. We like to let our podcast kind of ripen and mature uh, between episodes. That's why we take a few weeks. Like good wine. Yeah. Can I say that? <laughs> yes, you can. We are Baptists. Okay. Um, Next week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Clarifying a comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, did I miss something? No, oh, okay. we just started laughing and I can't stop. I make jokes in my own head that oh. I laugh at <laughs> to myself. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we had a great idea from a member uh, asking if we did, we could discuss specific uh, practical ways. Al's, Al's lost it. We've already lost it. This is so serious podcast How not fitting to our podcast this whole I know. show has been. I know. Maybe <laughs> no. it's the pressure. We're all cracking under it. <laughs> That's Al's exactly why I was laughing. Ugh. Okay. So, guys, practical, specific ways for Christians to fight sin. Um, great suggestion. Uh, very relevant topic. Yep. Uh, thank you for that suggestion. Um, I guess we'll just get into it. Uh, fighting sin implies pretty clearly that sin is something that should be fought against. Yeah. And I don't think that's always agreed on uh, by everyone. Some people I talk to kind of seem actually surprised that this kind of conflict and fight should exist in the Christian life. Yeah. Um, so maybe we could just start with talking a bit about you know, what, what sin is and, uh, and maybe why we, should, why we should be fighting against it. Yeah. Sin is described um, in, in various ways in Scripture. And uh, I'll say at the, at the outset, the reason we need to understand what sin is, one of them is that you can't fight an enemy you don't understand. And so mm-hmm. people, I mean, even, yeah, like today, some people don't, just don't like talking about sin. And there's a, it's understandable why. I mean, sin is our great, it's our enemy. Mm-hmm. And we wage war against it. And it's not nice in the sense of, you know, why would an allied soldier spend his off hours talking about the Nazis? Like there's, there's, I understand that sentiment, but at the same time, um, you know, when you're in, in the middle of a warfare, you need to know your enemy. And a lot of people, if you don't think about the nature of sin, you end up fighting it in the wrong ways. Uh, you mm-hmm. end up not aware of the battle that you're in. So the Bible doesn't just give one definition to sin, but describes it in various ways. I've written down several, like refers to our sin and rebellion against God as doing evil uh, in Judges 2, 
2.11 refers to it as disobedience in Romans 5.19, transgression, Exodus 23.21, iniquity in Leviticus 26.40, lawlessness, Titus 2.14, ungodliness, 1 Peter 4.18, unholy, 1 Timothy 1.9, wickedness, Proverbs um, 11.31, I think. So there's various ways that the Bible describes what's going on mm. um, when we sin. John Frame uh, gave a helpful description more succinctly of sin. I found this helpful. He talks about, well, what is, it, what is a good deed or a righteous deed? So rather than thinking of sin negatively, what positively is a good deed? He says every good deed in typical John Frame fashion has three aspects. Well, of course, yes. Naturally. We were all expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I found it helpful. One, it always obeys the proper standard. Uh, secondly, it seeks the proper goal. And third, it's done with the right motives. So the standard would be the law of God, you know, God's nature and character in which we see most fully embodied in Jesus Christ, in his person and work. Mm -hmm. um, the goal of our obedience is the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And we see that in Jesus' life, that he did everything for the glory of the Father. And lastly, it's motivated by true faith, Romans 14, 23. Why this is important is that um, when, we, is when we talk about sin, we realize sin is not just an action or a behavior, that sin is, there's deeper things going on, that one that makes something sinful. Uh, so he would use that description of goodness and say sin is falling short of that standard. So not meeting that standard or lawlessness, which is why the Bible refers to it, 1 John 3, 4. But it's more than that. It is um, seeking our own glory. Uh, Romans 1 talks about this, Romans 1, 23. Um, instead of the glory of God, seeking mm. the glory that comes from man, mm. um, instead of seeking his glory. Or, or sin is unbelief, mm -hmm. Romans 14, 23. Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. So sin is not just, you know, I, sh I should have done this or I shouldn't have done this. That sin is seen even in why do we do or why do we not do the things that we're doing? Is it being motivated for the glory of God? Mm. And is it being done from faith? Or is it being done for some other reason as a sense of puffing myself up and, and for um, to make myself look good to other people, mm -hmm. to justify myself before God and others? So... So well, basically, you, sin hides everywhere. Sin it's hides everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Even just as you were saying, the standard and the motive there, thinking about Judges also says, repeated phrase throughout the book, they did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. Mm. But instead of doing what God says is right, they did what was right in their eyes. And that yeah. actually was wrong, which Jeremiah picks up on being also connected with, you didn't come to drink of the, the fountain of living water, but instead you drank from broken cisterns that hold no water that actually it's, it's seeking that glory or seeking that satisfaction apart from God is actually evil, to mm -hmm. actually seek our fulfillment apart from God, mm -hmm. not just simply following his rules, but delighting in him mm -hmm. is actually part of, he says th there are two evils, two evils, not mm -hmm. from the living fountain, from broken cisterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's evil. And, and I didn't, you know, write this, but just thinking the way the gospel um, saves us from our sin is also in these in these ways. So one, because we have not uh, met God's standard, that we are guilty. 
and that we deserve to be punished. There's condemnation. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, we have not lived for his glory and are guilty for that. And we have not done things by faith. But what the gospel does is that, you know, Christ, on the one hand, meets God's standard. He fulfilled the law, that he is the perfect, obedient son. Everything that we should have done and not done, he is perfectly obedient. He also reveals the glory of the Father. So when we see Christ uh, by faith, we are seeing the glory of God, and we are motivated by the Spirit to live for the glory of God, mm -hmm. which is what it says mm -hmm. in Corinthians. Mm -hmm. um, we are being transformed. We are the, the veil is t in front of our eyes is removed to behold the glory of God and be motivated by that. And lastly, by faith. He came to give faith and repentance mm -hmm. to God's people. So when we're going to get into the battle here, we have to say from the outset that Christ came to overcome sin. Yeah, the first reason we should take this as a battle is because Jesus considers it a battle. Yeah. Mm. yeah. He fought a war on sin. Yeah. Um, what, what if this, this kind of... Should this conflict be apparent and uh, consistent in in every Christian's life. What, what, mm. what would, what would you assume of, I guess, a, a professing Christian who is kind of, um, this, this whole topic seems a bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. Can we just beat that last point? Like, like how seriously, wh what is the outcome of living sinfully? Like th let's start there, which is, you know, we say brings us back to the gospel. What happens if Jesus doesn't die for sin? Like the all, destruction comes from the Almighty, he says in Joel. Like sudden, like like just rule plays itself out. The good God plays at what happens when a good God confronts sin in a way without averting it in, uh, onto Christ in, in a substitutionary forgiving way. We, we are judged for our sin. It's death. It's separation from God, who is the blessed God. It's, it's Psalm 16. Those who turn to other gods, their sorrows will multiply. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the worst thing that can possibly happen is yeah. to live a life of sin. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Sin is self-destructive and irrational. Yeah. And we, we see this played out in the Proverbs and the depiction of the foreign lady, the adulterous woman, is that she promises so much that she ultimately doesn't deliver. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the instruction to the son is to see sin for what it is, that she's hot and, and foreign and, you know, but she's going to, she, you go into her house and you will be like an oxen led to the slaughter mm -hmm. and no one comes back from that. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing is like sin is a, is a worship issue. Mm -hmm. So for a Christian who's kind of like, I didn't, I didn't know that I was in a battle against sin. You want to really question because the scriptures say that the flesh is at war against the spirit yeah. and the spirit at yeah. war with the flesh these to keep you from doing what you ought to do. Mm -hmm. And there is a internal battle in every believer. So I would, part of me would just say like, you don't know who you are. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a, a fundamental distinction between Christians and unbelievers. We said this before on the podcast that uh, you are enslaved to your sin if you're an unbeliever. You, you don't have a sense of, I, uh, like, I ought not, or I don't want to do this. Only Christians have a sense of the duplicitous 
Christ in them who says, no, I want what Christ mm-hmm. wants. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, I, I say this, like, not to be too uh, forthright or too harsh, but to say, like, there's a serious place. If you actually don't really consider sin to be an issue or you've kind of thought, oh, does this really have a place? There's a place to consider the nature of what have you believed in Christ for? Yeah. What have you, what have you believed? Right. What are you... you is he a therapy among yeah. others or any number of hundred reasons why, yeah. why people... You, you may need to reconsider what the gospel really is and what, yeah. and what Christ has really done for you yeah. and, and, and really ask, have I actually believed in him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, and I think God graciously brings those questions to our minds. So, you know, we shouldn't feel bad if, we th- if we're thinking that. We should say, praise God for helping me realize I, I didn't think about sin before now and right. now I am. Yeah. So yeah, ironically, the the battle within is 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 good news. Although it doesn't seem like that in time, yeah. you know, no one wants to just be in a war their yeah. whole life. But that is the reality of the Christian life, mm-hmm. and that is the nature of of, of picking up your yeah. cross and turning against your old man. Yeah, yeah. And and Owen has a line essentially where he says, "Only living men can wage war." Mm. Right, yeah. and that's really that's helpful. A, that's a mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, if if you're dead, you can't fight. Yeah. Maybe this does it. I was just thinking about how in Lord of the Rings, the oh, hobbits are so removed. They're, they're, they're sort of living this happy bliss, ignorant bliss of all the war that's happening in the world. And it's the hobbits who, who know that there's a fight, who are facing the battle and the struggle that are free at the end. And they return home to see a bunch of enslaved hobbits who they also have to then set free. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Like you... you you need to know that there's a battle. You need to be in the midst of it. Otherwise, all of a sudden, it's upon you, and you're its slave. Mm-hmm. You're you're its captive. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see that. Maybe that's maybe I'm drawing more than Tolkien ever. I've never thought of that, but that's yeah, that's worth thought, worth some thought. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yeah. So okay, so we've kind of established um, the importance of, of the task of fighting sin. This is definitely a hill we need to die on. Um, let's talk about the purpose of our podcast, uh, some practical ways of, of doing battle with our sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some strategies or things uh, you guys have found helpful in your own sanctification? Yeah. Can I just wrap that last point up? Yes. The, the foundation for fighting sin is concretely uh, Romans eight thirteen. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body, you will live. Mm-hmm. And so Paul's assumption is there is this battle, and if we aren't engaged in it, we're going to die. Right. But if in God's strength and grace and power, the Spirit, we put to death, which is vicious language, mm-hmm. um, the deeds of the body, we're going to live. So this is a non-negotiable. This is the assumption of what the Christian life will be yeah. in Scripture. Yeah. So um, practical ways of fighting sin. And we could probably... We could probably fill easily the rest of this time... Yeah, those, but yes. yeah, what, where, where are you guys at with that? In some ways, the Christian life is really simple. It's just really hard. And, okay. And um, you heard it here, yeah, folks. No, that's it. I, that's such a good point, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's a song, uh, you know, that hymn, Trust and Obey. Yeah. Yep. It's like, yeah, that pretty much sums up the Christian life. Trust <laughs> yeah. and obey. There's no, no other, other way, way to be happy in Jesus. It's mm-hmm. even got some Christian hedonism in there. Nice. <laughs> But before it was cool. Yeah, before yeah. it was cool. Um, my daughter, Ruth, sings this song, and she says, uh, you know, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Yeah. And she does this little plant motion and grows up. 
and she sings at the dinner table. And every time she sings it, I'm just struck by, I'm not thinking how cute she is. I'm just like, that's just so true. Mm. And um, we can grow and we can fight our sins with the weapons that God has given us. Mm. What, is, what are the weapons that God has given us? Well, Romans 8 says, fight, put to death by the Spirit. Um, and in Ephesians, Paul talks about the sword of the Spirit, yeah. which is the word of, do- word of God. And the Word of God in Peter mm-hmm. is referred to as the prophetic word, which the Holy Spirit is the author of. So how do I put sin to death by the Spirit? Well, first of all, we have to connect that with the Spirit's words, with Scripture, mm-hmm. which is why I think David says, you know, how can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word, Psalm 119, I stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That there is no way in this world we can do any battle against sin apart from a daily, consistent reading and meditating upon the word of God. And Mm -hmm. I fall short of this. Mm -hmm. I fall short of the degree to which I need to rely on the spirit and the word to help me. And um, Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. What is the truth? Your word is truth. You know, there just is no way to fight sin yeah. apart from the Bible. There, there really is, uh, there's no other shortcut to that no. but that. And, no. and you see different strategies and, and schemes that kind of people come up with um, to help. And not, not that there's no room for those things, but if you don't have that as your foundation, anything else, you know, you're, you're powerless. Yeah. yeah. We, we just started reading Joel in our fellowship group. And it's funny because someone just recommended it. They heard like a quote from it. Like, let's read Joel. Everybody agreed. Joel is basically like, yeah, well, it's about destruction. It's about judgment. The day of the Lord is like the repeated phrase. But reading your Bible actually brings you to that point of recognizing there is judgment for sin. That's step number one is like reading your Bible actually does that, that it actually talks about sin in God's terms. And that's why it's, it's so important. But there's also a flip side of that too, is that, and Peter talks about this. You're saying how Peter says that the word is the prophetic word of the spirit. Well, he also says that it's by the promises that God gives us that yeah. we escape the corruption that is in the world. Yeah. As second Peter one. It's not just the fact of reading your Bible, but it's not less than that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And people say, well, you reading, you know, if I just read and close, it doesn't do anything. It's like, okay, it might not, mm-hmm. but nothing's going to happen apart from that. Yeah. And I love Piper's illustration. We come back to, you know, put the wood upon the, the pyre and yeah. wait on God for fire. Yeah. Like that's just, that is the Christian life. Mm-hmm. And that is an act of faith. When you open the scriptures and you don't know if there's going to be that fire in your soul. You don't know if you will see the glory of Christ the way you ought to, that you will respond in faith the way you ought to, that you will, um, that, that in your heart you will respond to the word the way that you ought to and, and believe. You still need to read it because that is the means that God uses, that his spirit works through. Paul also says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and give no provision for the flesh. Well, what, how do you put on Jesus? Who is Jesus? What does that even mean? Well, we see Jesus in his word. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I feel like in pastoral ministry and in my own life, the, easy, the most simple things are the hardest things. Mm-hmm. And if we were to do a poll in our church and for your listeners of this podcast, to be honest, how often do you read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and how often are you um, hearing God's word and listening to his voice? And not just reading it, Paul... The psalmist says stored up mm-hmm. and meditated upon. Like, 
Yeah. Timothy says, give yourself to the public reading of Scripture because guess what? Having a Bible is a new thing. Mm-hmm. People knew the Word of God because it was stored up, that they memorized it. Yeah. And we wonder how we fall in sin so often. It's because we don't have the promises of God mm-hmm. we, when we are believing the lies of sin. We don't have the promise of, or the, the warning of where sin goes when we're believing the lie of the promise of the mm-hmm. happiness of sin. Yeah. We don't have the glories of Jesus and the, and the new covenant stored up in our hearts. Mm-hmm. So all that we're left with are, are lies mm-hmm. and deceit. And here's a promise for a practical promise to believe. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the seat of sinners or the seat of scoffers and stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on it he meditates day and night. And yeah. what's the promise? That he's like a, a tree planted by the stream. Yeah. He prospers every, in everything that he does and, and he will not be moved. Yeah. That's, and, and then the, ju- the wicked are not so. Yeah. They will yeah. not stand in the judgment. Yeah, and having the, the posture of heart in coming to the word uh, it, it is huge as well. Uh, a lot of us, I, I, I confess, don't always uh, uh, have anticipation in coming to the Word. You know, it is 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 the Word going to reveal sin in my life that I can repent of and, and grow yeah. according to Christ? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, sometimes we just kind of read the Word flatly. Well, I've just checked, I've checked it off, and uh, yeah. and go on with my day. But there's even in Psalm one, there that there it's 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 connected with delight. It's connected mm-hmm. with with growing down into and absorbing and being nourished by and, and abiding in and and uh, and that that comes through meditation day and night. That's right. It's yeah. important to recognize that there's an act of faith in reading the scriptures yeah. as as part of the battle that yeah. that you 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 train to play a sport and, and then you employ those skills. Well, you don't always expect that the training is going to be as enjoyable or as um, as awesome as the victory of a game. Yeah. But but you still need to do the training. Well, yeah. you still need to read your word, even if it's not in that moment the most euphoric experience you've ever had when you pick yeah. up your Bible. That that reading it today might be preparing my heart for that joyful delight tomorrow. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I have to do it. And reading it with a with a heart with a mind that is prepared to obey what the word says. Yeah. Yeah. Because because. Uh, yeah. Trust uh, and obey. A, a, yeah. A joy and, and delight often follow obedience. Yeah. Um, can yes. we just give some practical? Yeah, I was okay, just I was like, hoping gonna, to get to that. Yeah, I'm going to read my Bible. So, what are some things? One, I think it's great to start your day with the Bible because one, it gives you perspective going into your day, so you have the word to face what you face proactively mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of reactively. Mm-hmm. We see the psalmist David saying he rose early. You know, he meditates on it. You know, day and night, but in the morning he'll rise and remind himself of the steadfast love of God. Um, it's good to work through a Bible reading plan. If you're like, I don't mm-hmm. know what to read. A, a one-year Bible reading plan. There's so many. They're free. You can print one. Put it inside mm-hmm. your Bible. 15 minutes a day. It will honestly. keep you on. It will keep you reading. Too. 15 minutes a day you can read. Take one verse from your Bible reading that you are going to say throughout your day. That's how you meditate on it. That's how you memorize scripture. Second thing is you can't expect, if you're like, well, I hate reading. You can't expect to enjoy reading and quiet and focus if you are always distracted every other minute of your day. And not to always harp on this, but the, the, the addiction to social media and to our phones, if we can't go 10 minutes, statistically, we can't go three minutes without checking our phones. But we sit down in the morning in the quiet with our own souls laid bare, we're going to find very uncomfortable to read. 
So maybe there's other areas of your life. I guess that's one of your other questions. You know, you're beginning the fight in other places. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. I guess we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, one, one, one thing I found helpful is, is be honest and clear about calling sin a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as we're unclear about the rightness or wrongness of a habit, we'll just keep doing it. And, 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 you know, the human mind has endless ways of justifying what it, why it wants to do what it wants yeah. to do and, and rationalization. And, you know, as long as, as you're on the fence as to whether three hours of, of Netflix at night is, is recreation or sin, you're just going to keep doing that, mm-hmm. right? So we need to be honest about sin. Um, another thing I found helpful, praying for brokenness for sin. Mm. Um, if sin doesn't grieve us, uh, we're not going to be as, as urgent about killing us. And, uh, you know, Paul's, or Paul, David's um, response when confronted with the sin with Bathsheba was, uh, uh, you know, I've done this, this, this sin against God, right? That was his, his deepest regret is that obviously he'd sinned against Uriah and Bathsheba, but ultimately his offense was against God and that grieved him most. Mm. And, uh, and that initiated that beautiful psalm of repentance. Mm. Um, those are things I've found helpful anymore. Jesus yeah. also said, pray that you might not enter into temptation. Yeah. Yeah. The prayer is a, and like literally in the moment, like you are feeling a temptation, you're feeling overcome with your sin, open your mouth and make a noise to mm-hmm. God, a mm-hmm. cry for mercy, a cry for deliverance. God blesses that. And, and that is a means that he's given. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is we tend to, maybe because we want to sin, we tend to say, I'm okay. I can handle this. Mm-hmm. I'm strong enough. This isn't a big deal. Yeah. Like all those things, we stay silent and then 10 minutes, you know, whatever. Here we are at the door of what we thought we wouldn't be at. But at the, pray, you know, like not just that you would have able to stand at the battle, but that you would be able to run and flee from that. And, and prayer brings... Uh, like in the moment of tent- temptation and, and kind of the power and deceit of temptation is to make God unclear yeah. and, and hazy and, distance. and, conse- and distance. It kind of, it, you're in this alter reality. Yeah. But prayer has a way of, of, of grounding your relationship mm-hmm. with God. This is yeah. not something distant. He, he's a friend. He's, he's a father. He's next to you. And, and when you're cultivating that life of prayer, yeah. sin uh, is not as, you know, as appealing or as easy to just stumble into. Yeah, yeah and I, w- I would suggest that actually praying out loud is one of the ways that you do actually ground that. Mm. That there's a way to say I'm praying in my head, I'm, I'm thinking this, um, that isn't the same as when you actually give sound to the to the thoughts that you have. That you, mm. you cry out into the room in front of you to a God that's that even though he's not visible, he is actually there. Mm-hmm. There's something about that that I find is helpful. I think it's important. It's yeah. like a way of faithfully saying God does exist, and so instead of treating him like he's just a thing in my head, I'll speak my words of prayer yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. Hebrews says as well, daily encouragement. Yeah. So you can't fight sin by yourself. Mm-hmm. That's another big one, yeah. The, the battle of sin is a personal battle, but it's not a private battle. Mm-hmm. And when sin thrives in isolation and... Um, part of the blessing of the people of God to be part of a community in a local church is to be encouraged daily. Mm-hmm. If sin is a worship issue, then we need God's people to point us towards God's Son and to encourage us with who Jesus is. That it's not just as a military, you know, is made up of many, many soldiers. So it is in our battle against sin. We're not self-sufficient at all. 
And part of the biggest step in fighting sin is to acknowledge that we need God. We need his word. We need his spirit, but we need his people. Mm -hmm. And like regularly, I mean, when Mm -hmm. I, as a pastor, honestly, when I see Christians miss a Sunday, I'm concerned for them. Mm -hmm. I'm even more concerned for them when I find out that they don't, they are not concerned. Like if they're like, you know what, this is a real bummer. We, this just happened. And, it's like, okay, it happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your kids are sick. You're out of town, whatever. When it's like the silliest reason and there's no big deal, I'm like, I'm really concerned, you know, because how are you, how are you seeing the glory of Jesus by yourself? How is your faith being nourished by yourself? You know, it's, well, it's just not. So we need the daily encouragement of people. Mm. Um, you need to be part of a local church where you have meaningful relationships, not just Sunday for an hour and a half, mm. that you are meaningfully connected, that in your weakness, people can help you. Mm. Yeah, and that would be one of the ways that technology is such a gift. Yes, absolutely. It's such, it has such potencies, but the fact that we actually can daily encourage one another is a really great, a great gift thing. Of, of technology. Yeah. I get, I've, I've sent you guys all letters, but you haven't responded yet. <laughs> <laughs> actually, are, you, are you guys on phones? Second. Like, is this texting? Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? For a okay. second, I actually was like, you sent me a letter and I didn't get it. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Let's... Um, those we've are talked a lot about, of practical things. Those are a lot of practical things. Um, we've kind of already touched on this. Um, it isn't always in the moment of temptation. Um, the battle doesn't start in that moment, but it's, it's, uh, often in the micro decisions kind of leading up to that moment. Do you guys want to comment on that? Even as, as far as how discipline kind of intersects with Mm -hmm. the guarding against. This is where Owen was very helpful for me when I read his little work, which uh, book push here. Uh, yes. the, the larger work is actually called Overcoming Sin and Temptation by John Owen. Yep. Great work. Um, the smaller condensed version is called Mortification of Sin. Also really great. Owen is hard to read, but if you've got the patience for him, And the abridged versions, it. there's no excuse. Yeah. They're very, they're, yeah. yeah. Um, but Owen makes a great point where he just says, no one is going into battle without having stopped to think about how their enemy works, mm-hmm. how their enemy plans and strategizes. And if you aren't actually thinking about the ways in which your sin tends to grab you and get and 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 pull you in and lure you in over time, th- like you are always going to succumb to your your sinful desires. Um, you have uh, a tempter and an accuser uh, and an opposition who wants to see you. Like we have an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Um, you need to be thinking about the ways that he prowls and the ways that he is subtly trying to draw you in. Um, Second Corinthians says, "Don't be. Uh, we're not unaware of his schemes." Yeah. Um, we need to be aware of the schemes of the devil. Yeah. Where Where do we consistently keep failing? Yeah. But, you know, and are there things that led to that? Yeah. Sorry, I just want to, and just to clarify, not just that the devil is against us, as if it's always his fault, but also to be aware of what are the ways in which. Um, our desires tend to manifest themselves. Our sinful desires tend to be prompted and pushed and yeah. poked before they are like uh, a raging sinful desire. Yeah. There's smaller ways that they're sort of, our sinful self is waging war, Second Peter. So two things are, one, look for the sins in their, their um, embryonic form. Nice one. Yes. Yeah, you know. 
Good word. And I don't even know technically what an embryo is. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I know generally what it is, but not okay. like if you ask a definition. We all so, know what you're trying to get yeah. out there, though. Um, but also, he said something really helpful that sometimes the Lord lets us go through a season of sin where it's totally our fault and it's a manifestation of the, the evil in our hearts. But there's other things totally unrelated that we need to deal with. Mm. Right, that and, led to that. And yeah. he rebukes Israel. It's like, yeah, you keep the sacrifices and you, you know, are, are offering, but you're neglecting the poor. And so I hate your sacrifices. And so it's something that they, they were keeping one part of God's law and they're being obedient in one area of their life or trying to, mm-hmm. but they were neglecting in another. And to be, you know, the fight against, um, you know, anger might also be the fight against laziness or the fight against right. greed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, I've been tolerating all these things, which is just from my sin nature. The heart is not divided up into all these little compartments that you, you seal off the greed compartment and then you deal with the other one. Like it's this sinful, selfish, self-glorifying, unbelieving part of us that all of these things come out of. So if you're, you're like, I'm so focused on, you know, not being irritated with my kids, but you're tolerating, you know, constant materialism and greed and, you know, laziness or whatever, you're probably not going to make much movement mm. in that area you're focusing on. Mm. I have a great analogy for that. Is it better Is than embryonics? It's better. No, it's from history. Um, it was in New York. I don't remember the time, but essentially crime was terrible. And in, instead of uh, attacking the like more uh, awful crimes like murder and uh, uh, essentially what they, they cracked down on was the small crimes. They cracked down on jumping train fares, skipping train fares, and, uh, and vandalism. And the, the broader um, crime rate actually dropped as a whole. Mm-hmm when they focused on the, the smaller mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. Um, which is amazing. Yeah. And the point is, is that all these small things build up to a tipping point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm stealing that from Malcolm Gladwell. But, oh, that's good. That's but good the job. idea is exactly as you're saying. You, the fight against laziness might be the fight that is going to help you conquer your anger or, or the other way. Yeah, as long as you have a broad kind of undef- undefinable kind of, oh, I'm working on my greed. Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it starts with attacking those decisions you've made in smaller things yeah. like uh sure. measurable quantifiable yeah yeah, yeah or I, I, you know i think often i'm working on my selfishness which is a great like anyone can say that every sin is selfishness yeah. Yeah. but you know i'm just thinking even right now well, maybe i should think about how often i spend money on a coffee for myself as opposed to the amount of money i spend on my kids or like blessing them in some way or coffees for alex <laughs> yeah, yeah or coffees for alex yeah. yeah you should really think about that i i think that's <laughs> a word from the lord <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> okay guys we're we're going to close close off but i just wanted to talk briefly about um, maybe some some encouragement to christians who are in the middle the battle of sin they're feeling discouraged maybe uh, maybe defeated maybe despairing even you know maybe the battle's gone on for Months, years, they're starting to, as, as Hebrews says, kind of uh, grow weary, grow weary, yeah. uh, lose hope. Um, what? How do we? How are we going to encourage uh, saints in this? Well, again, we need to see reality from the Word, and the Word tells us many things. One, um, in Romans six fourteen, that sin has no dominion over us. Mm-hmm. So when you, if you lose a battle enough times, you begin to feel as though you're going to lose the war. Mm-hmm. 
And what the scriptures tell us in Romans 6 is that Christ died and Christ rose and his death was our death to the, the power of sin, the enslavement to sin. So if you are a born again believer and the spirit dwells within you, then the power of sin has been broken in your life, which is why I can, can go on to say, um, therefore, don't let sin reign in your body to make you obey it. Um, and consider yourself dead to sin. That part of it is readjusting your perspective to the word of God by faith that says, you know what? I may have fallen this many times, but the Bible tells me that sin is not enslaving me anymore through mm -hmm. Jesus. And it tells me that I need to consider that I'm actually dead to it, mm -hmm. to not believe the lies that I can never overcome this, to believe the lies that this will always be a part of me. That's just not, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a hope of being truly holy, um, and blameless. It says in the end of Thessalonians, um, that Jesus will present us body, soul, and spirit blameless mm -hmm. before the Lord. He says, he who is faithful will surely do it. Yes. And uh, I was just thinking about uh, Galatians here too. Um, the one who sows to the spirit will reap from the spirit eternal life. So let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Yeah, he will finish the good work that he began in you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, we're fighting a battle, yes, and we're in a war, but we are actually in a winning war. Yeah. And this yeah, is something not we haven't explicitly said that we have to, that this battle has, this war has been decisively won yeah. by Jesus Christ. And there is no chance those whom he justified, he glorified, mm -hmm. right? And, and there's no chance that Jesus will lose any of his own. Mm -hmm. And we engage from a place of faith, from a place of victory, from a place of trusting and hoping in that. But if you're engaged in a war against sin and you're just not sure what the outcome will be, right. I mean, that's a terrible yeah, place yeah. to start from. It's, it's one of the ways that we remind ourselves that we are actually on his side. Yeah. That, that Romans 8.13 continues and it says, you know, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live because all who are led by the spirit are sons of God. This is, he's, and it's not a because in the sense of this is what causes this. It's a because is, this is what evidences this. This is what proves this. This is what shows this. Mm -hmm. That if you are killing your sin by the power of the Spirit, it proves, it shows, it demonstrates and displays that you are a child of God. Yeah. That's how we know. And, and that's, that's an encouraging thing. You wake up tomorrow and you just hate that you sinned against Jesus. Like, praise God. Mm -hmm. That's a sweet testimony that only those who have the Spirit can cry out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, those are, that's great, guys. Lots of stuff to think about. And, and uh, hopefully that's been, been helpful to you. Again, if you uh, want to do any further, uh, further research on uh, our ministry here at Hill City Baptist Church, you can do so on our website, hillcitybaptist.com. Uh, comments, questions, uh, future topic suggestions, you can get in touch with me, uh, ben at hillcitybaptist.com.